Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best physical music medium. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Welcome to We Got This with Mark and Hal. The show that settles the debates nobody else will touch. Let's talk audio. We're a podcast. We are. We you are hearing about us. We don't, but that's exactly what we work in. We are recorded mm-hmm. into microphones, and we are played back later. So what is the best medium for that? Who asked this question? This is recorded music. I don't know. I don't have the information. I'm flying blind. We may never know. If it was you, thank you. Who was that masked person? We don't know yeah. if they rode off on a masked horse. That's my favorite thing in cartoons when somebody wears a mask and then they have a horse or something and the horse also wears a mask. <laughs> like somebody would be like, I don't know. I don't know who this Zorro guy is, but I definitely have seen that horse before. I guess that's the equivalent of like covering up your license plate if you're the getaway car for a robbery. It's like, quick, cover up the license plate. And what are a horse's eyes if not a horse's license plate, Hal? That's true. The eyes the eyes are the license plate of the horse. That's right. And this was, of course, requested by Jeffy Baby. Oh, that's right, Jeffy Baby. Yeah. Hey, Jeffy Baby. We were very excited about this one. I was talking to Ken today. He's like, do you think he minds that you call him Jeffy Baby? And I'm like, I don't know. He's a character in our universe. Yeah. Jeffy Baby. Yeah. Hey, Jeffy Baby. Jeffy Baby, if you, if you, I apologize if you don't like it, but if you like it, it's all groovy, Jeffy Baby. I don't. We love you, Jeffy we Baby. We love you. This is a term of endearment for That's you. That's right. Best physical music media. That's yeah. uh, as worded by Jeff Baby. And this how I would love to tackle this topic chronologically because there are some really fun, bonkers stories that I have uncovered in trying to take a look at the history of recorded audio. Okay, but can I see how many of the different things on your list I can guess? And then we'll go through them chronologically. You can tell yeah. stories. We can sort of discuss them. We can discuss them, but not rule them out or put them in the finals. How does that sound? Perfect. I love right. that. I'm going to say we're starting with, well, there are a few. One is like the paper for a player piano or the metal discs for a music box. Is that what's first? Do you have a music box first? That's not recorded. Yeah, that I would not call recorded. Right. I'm just making sure. So wax cylinder would be first? Wax cylinder would be first. There were also metal cylinders. It was a bunch of different experimental things for a little while, the best of those being the wax cylinder. Yes, the wax cylinder. We have Mm -hmm. the vinyl record. That's true. Uh, Actually, not quite yet. Was the plastic record first? We have the shellac record first, which is why Mary Hatch is able to smash the record in It's a Wonderful Life of Buffalo Gals. And if she was using a modern vinyl record, she would just still be standing there smacking Buffalo Gals on the counter as George came into the scene and said, I forgot my hat, and then left. Unless you're me at the record store and you're looking at something you don't realize which way the sleeve opens, and then you shatter a record. No. Did you really? Yeah, I can't remember what it was it was one i whatever it was it was old it was pre-1948 no no it was 70s wait they had like shatterable records in the 70s yeah you can i mean aside from in the olympics yeah vinyl records are not it's not kevlar 
Yeah, they I guess still so. can be damaged. Shellac is weaker. I think vinyl is a stronger alternative to shellac. But in either way, you have the the traditional record album, shellac, right. then vinyl. There are plastic versions as well that you get in kids' things. Then we can move on to cassettes. Technically, yes, magnetic but tape. there was magnetic tape, yes. Magnetic tape, cassettes, 8-track. Uh, nope, one more, and 8-track is before the cassette. Okay, yeah, popularity. I'm just trying to list yeah. them all. I'm not, I, I, if, for me to get these in This is impressive. I'm very impressed. Okay, we've got the CD that comes out in 1983. Mm-hmm. We have the mini disc that was a failed. That was a failed, but that is a this is a yeah. physical medium. So the mini disc, mini disc in the CD would probably be where it ends. That's yeah, it goes. Part. They're basically four eras. There mm-hmm. is in 1877 began the acoustic era. Uh, you got all of them, by the way. Uh, I, digital, I lump all of digital together and we can talk about that at the end. 1877, the acoustic era marked by the invention of the phonograph by Thomas Edison or Edison Labs, someone there. Wax cylinders happened. That was that time all of then. Uh, and that was up through 1925. 1925 ushered in the electrical era of sound recording, which was the Western Electric Integrated System that came out in 1925. And, you know, uh, cylinders and discs were a part of that as well. Uh, then 1945, the magnetic era begins. And then uh, that's magnetic tape. Uh, and there's a whole bonkers story about how that came into play. And then uh, after that, so then that's the cassette tape or the 8-track and the cassette tape and then digital media from there. Yeah, so... It really is just divided into those eras, acoustic, electrical, magnetic, and digital. How many of those different forms of musical storage do you have in your home right now? I have, uh, I don't have any wax cylinders. I would love to have wax cylinders. The oldest record that I have is from 1915, I think. And it's, oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's a cool little bit of history because it's a 78 RPM. And uh, it's a shellac album that's only one-sided. It was printed by Victor, and the song on it is, Hooray, the war is over. It is absolutely delightful. From 1915? Oh, so they were... They were for whatever, whatever year the war was over, yeah. 1919? 18? 18? Yeah. 17 it started, 18 it ended. Oh, well, well I'm not a history teacher. The history, <laughs> it's so smart. <laughs> Stuff like this, absolutely... Drives people crazy. Yeah. yeah. When I'm like, yeah, 15, somewhere between 15 and 20, whenever the war was over. Somewhere in there. Yeah. And somewhere then in the there. The war began. Yeah. Look, it was World War One. We were there for like two months right at the end. I saw somebody in a class once there, we were doing monologues, like written monologues. The first time we'd done them, comedic monologues. Mm-hmm. And this person gets up and starts delivering a very long monologue. It's very clear they've written it on a piece of paper, like single spaced, the smallest possible font so they could get it all in there. And you get the sense that you can see the eye scanning they're getting back down to the bottom of the page. And then mm-hmm. at the bottom of the page they go, and then the war began and flipped the piece of paper <laughs> over <laughs> for act two. Oh dear. That's a long monologue. That's a long monologue. Yeah. Um, so do you, are you a record player guy? I am a record player guy. Wanted to be a record player guy a little more. You know, we're, we're of the age. And maybe even me, maybe me a little bit more, just because I'm a few mm-hmm. years older, where records were primarily what we listened to at home, and then you'd use tapes in the car. So yeah. I, you know, I missed 
there were records that I that I had that I that I missed that I wanted to listen to again. So I've bought a lot of stuff, even things I have. I still have some of my. I have a lot of my original cassettes. Actually, I have a ton of my original cassettes, including yeah. my absolute favorite, which is the Muppet Show cast album from 1977, which I've also <gasps> bought in vinyl. I have Muppet Show two in vinyl. Mm-hmm. The, uh, they put out a second edition of the cast album, and I have that, or I grew up with that on vinyl as yeah. a kid. Yeah. So I love vinyl. I love cassettes. CDs are, you know, we were of the age where we moved from taping stuff off the radio to having CDs to being able to yeah. create CDs. Like we really uh, generationally are, are lucky to have sort of lived through that transition. It's very yeah. unique. It's the Zenial, uh, the Zenial blessing as we lived in the era. We were the right age for the era of the mixtape, not the mix CD where you just hit burn and left the room. This is the mixtape where you had to push the buttons. We're going to sound like this is the, that is the first of many times we're going to sound like uh, a couple of reminiscent grandpas in this episode. Yes, uh, but, but I have all that to no say, problem with I, that. I appreciate them all. I definitely have some yeah. I prefer over others. And there, you can certainly argue, there are a lot of arguments to be made for each of them. Yeah. It blows my mind, just even if you want to start with wax cylinders, there mm-hmm. are people who still have the recording technology from that available. So they'll take a, a blank wax cylinder and show you how it carves your voice into a oh, wax cylinder it. when you talk into it and then play it back. The sound on those wax cylinders is horrendous. But imagine yeah. at that time being able to hear a piece of music that wasn't being played live in your home. There was no radio when it was initially introduced. We're late 19th century. It's mind-blowing mm-hmm. technology. Yeah. It's not technology that changed terribly much in a certain sense, which is what I'm talking into right now is essentially what was on those first recorders. And that's what was the beauty of the analog acoustic era, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you can, I remember watching Mr. Wizard as a kid, you could put a record on a pencil and spin it and put a sewing needle, wrap a cone of paper around it, and it would amplify a record. You could try it at home. I tried it as a kid. I loved it. You can listen to a record played through a piece of tape, a needle, a pencil, and a cone of construction paper. It's yeah. that simple. And in the recording of it, what I'm talking into right now is a diaphragm that's moving back and forth. That's all it was back then, too, at the end of a big cone that the sound went into. Mm -hmm. So there's something magical about that. And I think that magic that that humans figured out to open up a like have a bunch of horn players play into a cone, because uh, here's a little bit of math for you, I guess, or numbers for you. Uh, The. Human ear hears between 20 and 20,000 hertz. Uh, an acoustic wax cylinder only had a range of 250 to 2,500 hertz. So narrow range of sound, which is why it was all horns. Anything you heard was Sousa. Just give us lots of horns. Give us some patriotic music. But there's a magic that we figured it out. We're capable of making that transfer. And I love that that still exists today, physically tangible in the form of LPs. Yeah, and I think that that range is also partially why everything sort of sounds like this, because it falls in this vocal range, even if you record a slightly lower voice. Like it's just sitting, what it's capable of playing back. Now, oh, I'd say I already want to start talking about these things rather than coming back to them. What's that? I kind of (laughs) want, I want to respect what you want to do, but I also kind of want to just sort of tear into these and talk about them. I keep like blowing up. I want to give you room to do this, but I also Mm. feel like 
uh, I don't want this to turn into, uh, what's the Epcot ride where you go like, and here's what the future will look like. For, yeah. For spaceship Earth, the greatest ride yeah. they ever created. Yeah. I don't, I don't want this to what turn did you into want Spaceship to, okay, Earth. Jump ahead to the I just want to be in a bar with you. I just want to be, I, I want to be, I'm having a slice of apple pie. You're having, oh, you want to hear the ultimate betrayal? I went, <laughs> I'm counting my calories now and uh-huh. I had breakfast. I was like, okay, I, have, I it was brunch. It's like, I'm going to have something sweet. They have these little hand pies. No problem calorie-wise. So I say, do you have apple pie? I say, yes. They bring it out. It's delicious. And I realize like a quarter of the way into it that it's apricot. The little apricots are in there. <laughs> I have nothing against an, an apricot. It's fine. But so is it because, not what I wanted. Is it because counting calories, they have they are a currency? And you spent too much on apricot something when you thought you were apple something? It's, I just, uh, I, I, it's really a not important information of the story. I just like to overshare. Uh, the, I, I was betrayed. Like mm-hmm. you didn't check, they have little flags or something in there, but I didn't say anything because I felt bad. Cause I was like, well, I ate, I ate some of it. What, what am I going to do? Send this back and bring me another. But I was very disappointed. And I don't know how, like there's no way to check. He heated it up and everything and brought it over all nice. Great, like, great server. Just, I was the victim of a, of a switcheroo, and it made me real sad. I'm sorry, buddy. You know so I love my pie, what, apple pie in particular. What was the thing that you wanted to throw to? Oh, I just want us to be, like, in the, like, if we were talking about this at a bar, you wouldn't be like, did you know? And then the this, we were in the acoustic era. Well, I would like era. to, I do want to do it chronologically. Okay. Because I think so these are, inter- if you don't want to talk about them, I can go. No, no, I do want to talk about him. I hate to betray myself here and mm-hmm. say I don't want to start eliminating things, but there's no way the wax cylinder would win. There's going no. to be some combination of – like the sound quality has to matter, and the sound quality on wax cylinders is terrible. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This time, is but so bad. None of these are going to be – this is what we would like to listen to now. There's novelty in a wax cylinder. That's about yeah. it. Have you ever heard one live? Yes, I have. I like science fairs and stuff. There's a group that I yeah. love called Museum of Interesting Things that just, mm-hmm. it's this collector who gets really old technology and takes it around to bars and, uh, secret speakeasy is the thing he throws. Anyway, I think it's fun. Yes. So it's, it's not, it's, it's not very... going to be the wax cylinder that wins. Yes. But there is a joy, I think, in that analogness of it. The idea that for me as a kid, I could pick up a couple of household things and have music. You know what I mean? Sure. Like once yes, we hit electrical, I don't understand how any of that works. It's still the same. I mean, if you look at a vinyl record, it's still the same principle. Yeah. That's not analog, is it? What do you mean? Is a vinyl record, are we counting that an analog? Oh, Even yeah. Vinyl record is okay, all right. as analog as it gets. Yes. Okay, good. But then 1925, we get the electrical era. That's when you could turn on the stereo, change the volume when it wasn't just like a big flared bell and this i think Mm -hmm. this is wild this is a cool thing to come out of the electrical era and that is one element of this that has gone virtually unchanged the entire uh throughout all the histories of the different media and that is the loudspeaker the speaker has barely changed it's a reverse microphone and it's been the same way for a hundred years i just think that's very cool it is pretty cool but now we're making the switch hal we're going to start okay. making the Into switch. Tapes? Into tapes, but the early introduction of magnetic tape. Can I tell you a story? Please. It's 1945. <laughs> U.S. troops 
have just won single-handedly World War II. Single-handedly? Single-handedly. All by ourselves? Back-to-back World War champs. We're doing that? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we did it. (laughs) Just us. Do you know where we got magnetic tape technology? Nazis, Al. Yeah, from Nazis. From the Nazis. Nazi scientists. Who had invented this super high-fidelity technology to convince, or partially to convince Allied troops during the war, that radio broadcasts that they were hearing were live. Because there was no way to record a radio broadcast and play it later until magnetic tape. Only then was the quality good enough for it. So we got that from the Nazis. A demo was played in 1948 for a man named Bing Crosby. Mm. Bing Crosby goes, hey, listen, baby, here's the thing. I'm real tired of having to do my show, my radio show, twice. I have to do my radio show for the East Coast feed and then again for the West Coast feed? No. Come on now, Bing Crosby has things to do this evening. I've got a pipe to smoke. I've got ascots to wear. Why don't I just record the show and play it back for the second broadcast? If it was good enough for the Nazis to fool the Allies, it's good enough for me, baby. So... Bing Crosby starts tape recording. He, by the way, he changes the name from the uh, magnetophone to tape recorder when he opens his own tape recorder company called Ampex. He's the first guy to uh, – he, he basically invented recorded radio, and that uh, wow. through magnetic tape. And then he gave one as a gift to Les Paul, who used it well, along with his wife Mary Ford to invent multi-tracking. This is a the history of magnetic tape in that like little five year period, I think, took entertainment leaps and bounds. And as two guys who spent a lot of time doing old time radio, that was a crazy thing to find out that the reason that they had to do everything live was they just couldn't record it and play it back because the sound quality would suck. And we did it live all the time. Yeah. So we did our show live all the time. And that's why. Yeah, that's fascinating. I guess I never thought about the fact that when the like Mercury radio players were getting together yeah. to do something, they had to do it multiple times for different time zones. Mm-hmm. So that's fascinating. Right. Fascinating to have that perspective. Thank you for sharing that yeah. story. My and who plan. knew that Bing Crosby was one of the innovators of recorded tapes or that's tape right. recordings? Took the K1 magnetophone straight from the Berlin radio show in 1935 renamed it the tape recorder and gave one to Les Paul. Come on. There is no more American story than that. Yes. And Buddy Holly was one of the, one of the early innovators of multi-tracking in rock music. Was he? Hmm. Yeah. He would like double, he would like double his voice and stuff. Things that weren't really being done before him. It's another, not necessarily a pioneer of the medium, but a pioneer of the use of the medium. Yeah. I think it's very cool. I think that the idea that, and again, you know, I like to, think about legacy of things as well as the sound quality of things because sound quality i don't it's a big leap forward from what um non-hi-fi records were able to do yeah but it looks like the innovations that it allowed i think were pretty great as far as recording dubbing you know multi-tracks it basically invented editing yes and we're so. we're about to get into an era, you know, it wasn't practical to own reels. Still yeah. for home ownership, which is really, I think, well, 
I, I mean, I think it's implied it's something that anybody can listen to, and you weren't necessarily yeah. buying tape reels to listen to. You'd buy vinyl or shellac records because they were cheaper. So I, vinyl sort of ruled the roost for a long time because it yeah. didn't take up as much space. You know, they're small, thin, you fit them in a rack, or you have smaller, you have 45s that, that are even smaller. I only have one 45. What is it? I'm going to tell you it's a novelty song, and that's it, and let you guess. I'll give you one guess. I won't turn this into a, a long guessing game. Is it Star Trekkin'? It is not. That is a good, by the firm? No. Yeah. Uh, it is the Curly Shuffle. <laughs> I wish I still had the vinyl record that I got out of the newspaper that was the McDonald's menu song. That was how mm-hmm. I memorized. I still know that song in my brain just from you having You can buy those. I have, I actually have, that's actually not true anymore because I have a couple of those read-along records. I love those read-along I have one records. for like Return of the Jedi. I have one for Empire Strikes Back that I bought more recently. Yeah. Some of them are cassettes. Some of them are albums. And some well, of them are like Disney, but like I bought a bunch of them at a flea market. We should take a quick break, but this is a mm. great segue leap we're making here because when we come back, we're going to start. We've talked about stuff that all happened before our lifetimes. Now we're going to talk about those physical media that we have held in our hands throughout our lives. And we will talk about that and dive into those and what the best of those are when we come back. See you then. Ooh, this is exciting. What are you going to do on your break? <sighs> I'm going to get to know me a little better. I like that. (laughs) Hi, I'm Travis McElroy. And I'm Teresa McElroy. And we're the hosts of Schmanners. If you're looking for a good place to jump into our show, uh, we really recommend either the Playgrounds episode or the Job Interviews episode. Or if you want to go way back, you can check out the episode where we compare the differences between afternoon tea and high tea. So check out those episodes and new episodes every Friday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's John Moe inviting you to listen to Depression Mode with John Moe, where I talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people, famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishikesh Hirway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. All right, we're back. Before we went to the break, we were talking about the free records that used to come with stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I guess it got super easy to just press vinyl in any, like, what? Well, it was plastic. They were like little floppy pieces of plastic and you would yeah. put them on 45, they'd be square. Mm-hmm. Cause it's cheaper, cheaper to do that than cut them round. You could just cut them into grids and then it would get attached oh to whatever. Gosh. I had one for Jack in the Box from the late seventies when Jack in the Box was briefly on the <laughs> East Coast. And it was like, and then Jack hurt his elbow. It was like very weird. It was a weird, weird little promotional time. Like, yes. I got as a gift a uh, Willie Tyler Lester doll as a kid. I wanted to be a ventriloquist for a little while, oh. so I had a Lester. And it came with a, one of those little super thin, floppy records of how to be a ventriloquist. And I learned that uh, if you don't want to move your lips, you say, the T-H-O-Y went to the T-H-T-O-R-E. So... The toy went to the store. See? You can't see my lips. 
No, they didn't move. Yeah, they didn't great. move at all. Uh, people of the world, you can't see this visually, but I was drinking water that whole time. That was really incredible. <laughs> and now he's not drinking water. That was me and not drinking water. That was me drinking weird. pudding. That was, I was drinking pudding. It's <laughs> the only way to have it. Drink your pudding. Yeah. Just pour a little hot water in there. Just make it a little thinner so it'll go. Cream of tapioca. Oh, dear. So you want to talk about tapes? Let's talk about the micro cassette or the compact cassette. The Let's cassette is one year older than the 8-track. Actually, before we talk about the cassette, let's talk about the 8-track. Were you an 8-track kid at all? I was not an 8-track kid. I've never had an 8-track player, but I'm fascinated with the technology in that it's the first time, you know, when you're listening to an album, part of the issue, Mm -hmm. even if you enjoy them, is you have to sort of lift and guess where the tracks are. Yeah. So you to skip ahead, you have to lift and sort of be a little bit precise about it. And then you let it's all, like very rarely do you needle drop at the right point unless yeah. you're a professional DJ and you just know where it sits or you have a flashlight and get your eyeballs right down there at the level and yeah. you see where that little space is. Exactly. But for an eight track, you have two sides of four programs each mm-hmm. and you can skip to the program that you want to listen to. So in essence, you have the precursor to fast forward and rewind. It's a little less yeah. precise. You can't go in the middle of a song from my understanding, but you can go to individual tracks, which is a, hu- again, a huge leap forward. And you can listen all of a sudden in your car yeah. outside of a radio, you can listen to, you get to decide what music is playing in your car, That's which a big is huge. Deal. Yeah, which is why, do you know what forces combined to invent the 8-track? Yes, it was Prince Adam and the magic of Castle Grayskull. (laughs) I have the power of magnetic tape! It was a consortium of record companies and car companies, and the introduction of the 8-track was in the 1966 Mustang, T-Bird, and Lincoln. So Mm. that is it, it exists for cars. I mean, it was compact, it was mobile. In a larger sense, it exists for people to make money. The record companies are like, how can I resell records that I already have? And then cars are like, how can I have something that makes my, that allows me to charge a lot more for my car than whatever component I'm putting into it? So all of a sudden in 1966, after decades of cars with radios in them, Mm -hmm. where really the disc jockey is the king and sales of a record and still even after this, are dependent on getting airplay. That's how people yeah. find out about your records is everybody's playing it on the radio. Now you get to dictate what is playing in your own car. Again, it's a huge deal. And for record companies, they can resell you. They can resell albums either as they exist or give you greatest hits yeah. or give you partial, turn them into two for ones. You have uh, like from a, let's not be blind to the fact that all this is driven by capitalism. It's not like they sure. got together and said, gee whiz, how can we make it? A new type of music that folks can take with them when they're going down to the swimming hole. Like, they're like, how do we sell? We have to be everywhere and make more money. And, and it leads to the 8-track, which gives us a proper cassette. But what, what's your 8-track experience? Did you have one as a kid? And You know, I did not have one as a kid, but my buddy had one. He had, like, he had the basement of forgotten technology, because in his basement he had a Betamax and an eight-track player, and it sure. and wood paneling and shag carpet and the brown floral like uh couch, everything down there. It was like walk. It was like it was 
when they bought the house, they did up the basement super cool and then never changed it. Like it was all the exact same tech that had been in there for 15 years. And at a time when it's moving quickly, you know, what, what did we have yeah. 15 years ago? It would be as if I was walking around with, uh, you know, an iPod Zoom. Nano. Yeah. Yeah. An iPod a Nano. Zoom? Would you be walking? Would you be the one walking around with the Zoom? I'd be the one walking around with the Zoom, man. What's wrong with the Zoom? How dare you? How dare you diss the Zoom? You know what? Um, I don't have one, so I couldn't tell you. I never had one. Couple more little fun factoids about the eight track player. Uh, 1971, the first karaoke machine was an eight track player. Mm. And of course, the eight track player was killed by two things in the 1970s, the boombox and in 1979, the Walkman. And now we are in the era of cassettes. Yeah. Cassettes, which you still uh, have. I still have a healthy collection of cassettes. I would tape shows off of the radio. Mm-hmm. That I liked to listen to. So I have a small library of shows that I've built up. Like radio shows you, or like TV yeah, like shows? Like Howard Stern. I listened to Howard oh, Stern gotcha. as a kid. Still listen to Howard Stern, but I yeah. would get up at six in the morning and start a 90 minute tape. And then I would have to go to school. My mother would flip it for me and record the other side. So I have all of these 90 minute tapes of different shows of his. Um, how often did you tape over those tapes? Or you just have like a, no, like a no, no. library I, of them? I have a little mini library. It's not a lot of tapes, but yeah, I, I, yeah, it's like a, a little library of them. So you I love that. had like uh weird owl tapes that were taped off of like radio play, like mm-hmm. that kind of st- all that stuff. I, that was the big thing with cassettes was you could tape them. The big advantage of cassettes over vinyl. I think, I feel like for me, um, and we haven't really talked about the album era, but I think we can jump in on that. Vinyl is the listener's perfect tactile experience, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you take the thing out of the sleeve, you've got the needle, and it sounds exactly how you want. You balance the speakers. I feel like the cassette, for me growing up, was the perfect tactile experience for a creator of a thing, you know? Digitally, I'm never doing things like winding a pencil in a cassette or putting a little piece of tape over the tab on the top so I can record over something that yeah. at a certain point I was like, I'll never record over this and rip that tab right off. And then I was like, oh, wait, I want to do a take two. I have all of my old cassettes digitized. One of them is a very embarrassing rap about not doing drugs that a friend of mine and I wrote for a like kids show that we were doing. Hey, good for you for putting the right message out there. How about yeah, that? Yeah. How'd that work for you? <laughs> How? Uh, <laughs> I had tape recorders when I was a kid. I still have a tape of me as a child interviewing my aunt. And I think yeah. my mother is on there. Was she a senator? I, yeah, I was recording her. I was recording her calls. Yeah. And now she's in prison where she belongs, <laughs> rotting. I, I have the most local child takes down Senator Lublin. If there's ever any doubt as to how authentic my Philadelphia accent is, I could present that tape in open court as evidence because I've not trained it out yet. It's still there in full force. I just sound like it's too bad. We, it's too bad. We just had the max fun drive. Well, sounds like a stretch goal. Maybe next year. Maybe we'll release the tapes. Maybe that'll uh, be next year. We'll tapes. release the tapes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We'll do a listen along. We can digitize them. It'll be a whole thing. Oh my gosh. You know, tapes is what we had, what we listened yeah. to. I had a little tape recorder that I could also listen to tapes on. 
I had, you know, tapes were, our car had a tape player. We listened to that Muppet Show album over and over again on the way from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh, which is not a short drive. Yeah. Like we listened to it over and over again. I was like three or four years old. Did it eventually get to the point where it was like, it's time to music. It's time to Honestly, it's in perfect shape. Still sounds great. And I still, it's the original case and everything. The case didn't shatter. Yeah. Like all that stuff is still intact. I would always shatter cassette cases and then the cassette case that wasn't quite a hundred percent would get relegated to an album I didn't like as much. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, nope, swapping you out. Yep. Yeah. 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 Swap out the sleeves. Exactly. Sometimes you could take just the door and replace it. Oh, so you yeah. get these Frankenstein cases. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot about it that now you look at it and go, this is hideously inconvenient, but it's, you, but it was as kids, it was fun. It was mine. It was. it was. I remember having cassettes that I would like, you know, you'd get the sleeve and I would write all the different tracks on it or I'd do artwork on the blank piece of paper sleeve that I got for it. If it was one, you know, if it was the recordable medium, if it was a great album, I loved getting, I thought it was funny when it was a clearly a vinyl album that they had just taken the cover of the album and then there was a big black bar at the bottom of the cassette thing. So they just would like, oh, just write all the tracks in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, uh, the cases are fun. It was mm-hmm. not enjoyable having to rewind them with a pencil. It is, no. it's, I think it's more, it's romantic to think of it now. Like, remember sure. when we had to rewind stuff and then you weren't quite sure if it was going to play and if mm-hmm. the player was going to eat it up again. I tried and, taping mine together at some points. And trying to, you know, where the eight track allows you to perfectly skip a track for mm-hmm. this, the fast forward, you would fast forward too far, rewind a little bit, but that's too far. So then you try to like skip, you'd be like riding the button, like, but, but it's always a four button sequence. It's fast forward, stop, play. Stop, rewind, stop, play. Or there was also, did you have, I had one that had a half press. You could press play and then you'd half press or you yeah, press you fast forward and then you'd half press. No, no, no. This wasn't where you would hear it. This was you would oh. push play and fast forward together and it would jump to the next track. It would like see oh. where the gap was. And like it chipmunk would. style. No, I, could, it, I wouldn't be able to hear it. Somehow it knew. Somehow, mm. Hal. I don't know how it knew. Somehow it knew. Somehow. But, but still, you had to go searching for stuff. So yeah. imagine what happens when we go from tapes, which are, you know, like the sound is a little better. You don't have all mm. the hisses and pops that you have with vinyl because vinyl also dust, scratch. Sure. Yeah, it's a lot easier to get them damaged. The tape's a little bit more. It's all in a shell. Of mm. course, the tape can come undone. But then we get the CD introduced by Sony in Japan, actually in 1982, but 1983, it comes to America. Do you know the first album released in Japan on CD? I don't. What is it? It is Billy Joel's 52nd Street. No kidding. CDP 101. Now, CDs are ridiculously expensive. The players were crazy expensive to start with, but you could all of a sudden skip tracks. It gave you like the best controls of both the eight track. Yeah. And the tape and the and CD, it wouldn't really scratch. It wasn't out in the open. You go in the player, the little drawer. Yeah. It was supposed to sound better. It like eliminated all the imperfections. Oh, I think it a hundred percent sounded better. You didn't have yeah. to turn on the Dolby noise reduction button, the little the turn off. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so it was a cassette was always either a little bit muddled or a little bit tinny. Yes. Uh, and vinyl is the richest and the warmest and has that, you know, depth of sound, but you would get the pops and clicks and scratches and stuff. CD, 
Quality-wise, I don't think there's any comparison. Even getting to MP3s, there's less digital information in MP3, which is why you can fit a bajillion of them on a phone. Right. Um, but they're being compressed. They're being, yeah, they're being super compressed. So, like, that big... I think that a CD is the closest thing to a perfect master recording of sound, quality-wise. Would you mm-hmm. agree? Out of all the physical media that we're going to talk about. Yes. I, but I won- that said... When did your family get a CD player? Pretty early. Well, you guys were early adopters too, generally, right? I think we got we ours like mid eighties, eighty eight, eighty nine. I think we got ours mid to late eighties. I the first CD player we ever had was because of me, mm-hmm. because of a I won some contest at a dance marathon. <laughs> I can't remember what the contest what won. Dance, I also won a Jeff Beck album, oh, an air guitar. It wasn't like wait, you uh, won a Jeff Beck air guitar. Is I want it hanging. Is that it hanging behind you? Yeah, that's it, right behind me. In fact, I'm holding it right now. I'm playing it. Wow, you, Can you hear that, that, dude? That What's sounds that? amazing. Just finger tapping. It's impressive, dude. It's impressive. Just, that's so good. Damn, I worked really hard at that. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. But I won some Jeff Beck air guitar contest as well. Ah, but that was how we got the CD player. We weren't planning on buying one because cassettes were fine. Like, yeah, we weren't a big like. Let's listen to the new albums that are out. And then once we had one, then we just started, you know, then it was just starting to get CDs. Did you have an oh no moment of like, oh no, now we have to replace our entire collection of sound? No. No, I didn't, but you have to remember I'm like 12, 13 years old. And at that point, yeah. I'm not, I don't have my don't own have that much. CD player. I just have all my cassettes. That is kind of a thing that all sucks weird about all of monkeys. these. Your cassette collection and my cassette collection were pretty similar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is a, there was that moment in time when you had to rebuy everything. If there was yeah. like albums that you really wanted, you know, you just got to get multiple different versions of them. Here's a way in which the CD does not hold up. Hmm. That is portability. They tried, bless them. They tried. There was a little armature you could get for your car that had like a springy shock mount on it. That uh-huh. thing never worked. Uh, the visor holders. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. You'd have a book. You'd have a binder of, yeah, of you CDs kids out there don't know nothing about having to carry around the binder with all your music. And then if you're, I had two different types of CD. I had a car where I had the six CD changer in the trunk oh. where you had to decide what your CDs were and you couldn't like go, well, let's listen to this one. All right. Let me find a rest stop. Yeah. And then the cars did get good at the, at balancing them. Uh, yeah, I want to say my yeah. my thing was specifically for the discman, which was we convinced ourselves those were good. Oh, the discman is, the, yeah, that was ridiculous. They were trying to make it like tapes, like oh, mm-hmm. I know that these aren't as easy to carry around, and they're not. Cassettes, you could carry one cassette. You carry yeah. a cassette in the Walkman, no problem. The <laughs> CD, you're not fitting that jewel case in your pocket. <laughs> it's just not. It's not built like that. But no. So I think this is going to be really what this episode is. What we could have titled it was mm. vinyl versus cassette versus CD. Agreed? Uh, yes, I would agree Agreed with that. The three dominant types. Would you sure. also agree mm-hmm. that of these three, we could eliminate the cassette? Mm. Because nobody, people collect, there is a community of vinyl, like a strong community of people who mm-hmm. like vinyl. And there are strong community of people who don't want to get rid of all their CDs. I happen to, that Venn diagram for me is a perfect circle because I am both. I have CDs. Yeah. I also have a record, that record player I have in my living room that also plays cassettes and CDs, mm. plays everything. But I'm not collecting cassettes anymore. I wouldn't actively collect them yeah. because 
The, you can't experience the, the cover art's not really, it's real small and the quality's not as good. Yeah. Wait, you're saying the quality, on a cassette, the quality's not as good. Yeah. I think the cassette yeah. is sort of like better than albums in some ways, better than CDs in some ways, that it's more portable. Um, in that the, the, the sound quality took a jump in a way each from, time from it took vinyl a jump to each cassette. time. Yeah. In a way, some people say, Oh no, it didn't because of the warmer sound you get from vinyl, whatever it is. But then cassettes are also a little more portable than CDs are. Even though CDs can hold, you know, the music sounds better and you can have a soft wallet to carry them around and they they collapse better than a bunch of cassettes. You can carry 20 CDs in a wallet a lot easier than you can carry 20 cassettes in a wallet. Because those you need like the little cases. I still have a little case for, I have a case logic, soft gray case. With like the hard interior for all the tapes, oh, yeah. they can hold the boxes or the individuals where you have to go top bottom, top bottom. <laughs> you know like top bottom, about? top bottom. I know exactly you have what this you're is talking about. Yeah, some of, some of the, the super slim line ones do. Yeah. Yes. I had the one. I always had the one that had the full cassette size in there because I like to look at the the edges of them. Yeah, I would say. By the way, we're also eliminating that. We're not continuing on to MP3s and and no, strictly physical this media. Is, yeah. This is physical. Um, That's physical music media is the, yeah. is the actual topic. So, yeah, I guess I would say that those are the big ones. I think there is something – I don't know. There's a culture around two of these three. I, I think you're mm-hmm. right. We're going to have to eliminate cassettes. But I think two of these three have a culture around them. Vinyl obviously creating album culture, right, and the album era of music starting in the 60s with the Beatles – and, you know, the, and musicians around that time when they started looking at a whole album as a thing, right? Yeah. And that went up through the 2000s, the early 2000s, when MP3s took over and it became way less about full albums and more about singles and individual songs. But the album era and the concept of an album, 22 minutes aside, you know, it's like a perfect little one act play. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that, the idea of that and, and the cultural around that. The culture around that, I think, is really cool and I think is the great legacy, one of the great legacies of vinyl albums. And I think that there's not really CD culture. I guess it's the same album culture, but you just said something I think was really fun and I hadn't thought of. On an album, the art's bigger. And I like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like I like <laughs> physically holding the art in my hand in a 12-inch standardized size. But there's also... Uh, cassette culture. And this was something that I had never really thought about until I was looking at all this stuff today. Cassette culture, cassettes getting passed around because of the recordability that vinyl didn't have. The cassettes that were getting passed around from the 70s through the 90s were not like professional albums. It was indie rock. It was punk. It gave us early hip hop. It gave us, you know, underground comedy albums. And Mm -hmm socio-politically, it moved a lot of stuff around the world. Forbidden radio broadcasts were recorded on tape and smuggled to countries where it wasn't legal to have them. Like sure. That culture to me is like a fascinating and cool thing that I think CDs just don't have that. You know what I mean? No, but eventually you're concerned your tape's going to deteriorate. Yes. So you take, like I had, um, I still do. I have two, I have a Doors live show because I was a mm-hmm. huge, I got really into the Doors at a certain point. And the other is. Sure, everybody had a Doors moment. The other is a Jim Morrison interview. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving an interview. Now it was taped on a reel to like a magnetic tape. 
and then converted to a cassette. But then to keep it forever, you'd really want it on a CD. And now you want it digitized so that you can have it wherever. I can have it on my phone. Yeah. So there is, had digital music existed at that point, there's no way people would have been using tapes to send stuff around. That's true. Been able to digitally send it. But at the time, it deserves it. It has an important place in history, as does the wax cylinder. And cassettes were were a big deal. I mean, they really, for like, I'd say about 20 years, yeah. were dominant because of how expensive CDs were. The tapes became, they were more easily accessible. Yeah. And they cost less, even though you wanted the CD, because the CD sounds better. And art-wise, you're 100% right. I think album covers are just album covers to go to a vinyl store and look at albums you're never going to buy to see the bizarre 1960s, 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s artwork on them. Yeah. CDs is just, a, is generally just to transfer that. Even the discs themselves now, the way they do vinyl where you have different colors and they, the, like the actual creation of new vinyl is like a work of art and CDs had stuff. My three feet high and rising CD has really cool artwork on it. And mm-hmm. there's plenty of that too. But I think there's, as far as like the physical beauty, I think the album is the winner. Well, in that, in that, in that arena, in that arena, then let me posit this to you. Yes. We have looked at the quality of the audio and -hmm. determined that of these three, two of them far outshine the other. We have looked at the cultural impact and two of these three have far outshined the other. And there is one that is in both of those categories. What, the cassette? No, the vinyl album. The vinyl album. Yeah. I honestly, like, I like the pops and hisses. Mm-hmm. A, I like, like a little bit. I like a because little bit. Because it's mine. I have my pops and hisses. Your album has different pops and hisses than my album has. And it is a fuller sound. Like, mm-hmm. I enjoy. I have the Charlie Brown Christmas album on CD. I have it digitally, and I have it on vinyl. And I enjoy yeah. listening to it on vinyl. I enjoy listening to Dave Brubeck on vinyl. I enjoy listening to the Muppets on vinyl. It's active. It's it feels more active, and it I don't know. There's a warmth to it, and there's something to putting an album on and listening to it that feels like more of an experience than you know if Jennifer and I are having dinner, putting an album on feels more special than when I put yeah. on the Apple Music like relaxing music station. Yeah, it's just not the same. So I think vinyl remains special after all these years. And I think that's what makes it the best one, that it's somehow persevered in a way that the cassettes have become obsolete. You don't have cassette players in your car anymore. You don't even have CD players in your car anymore. You don't need them. But to have a record player is kind of a cool thing to have. And to go find these albums is a really fun thing to do. I just went – oh, sorry. So I I think that's that's our winner. All right. What were you going to say? Where did you go? Tell me your story. I was going to say I, I went recently to uh, a concert, the band Townland, featuring Matt Gorley, guest of the show, Mark McConville, guest of the show, some great musicians up there, Dan Mitchkoff. And there at that concert, what they were selling in the back was vinyl. Of course. And it's a special and cool thing, you know? Yes. So, yeah, take us home, Hal. People of the world, you have a lot of choices when it comes to physical music media. And if you've overlooked the vinyl album, if you're too young to remember the vinyl album, you can get a record player. It's not that expensive. And enjoy some vinyl albums. Enjoy some things the way they were originally released. Find, if you like country music, find Buck Owens and his Buckaroos 
live at Carnegie Hall. Maybe the greatest live album ever recorded. Listen to your favorite jazz album, your favorite rock album. Chances are it exists in vinyl. The older stuff is less expensive. That's the, kind of the cool part. But you can find almost anything that was ever released has had some sort of release on vinyl. And now it becomes a special like drop to have these vinyl albums come out. So check it out. Listen to it warts and all. Have that experience. And if you can find a 45 of the Curly Shuffle, don't drop it on the floor because it will turn into powder instantly. Ask and answer. <laughs> hey, Mo. Hey, Mo. Well, yuck, 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 yuck. Yeah. Oh my god. Look gosh. at the bird. Look at the bird. Uh, and to all of my, uh, all of my theater buddies out there, Broadway vinyl is so fun to find. I once mm. got Big River and when I went home and took out the album Big River, the playbill fell out. Wow. And only with, only, yeah, right? Only with vinyl can something like that happen. Yeah. I have the music man, the original music it. man recording. Yeah. Well, this topic is closed. We're going to go listen to vinyl now. This topic mm-hmm. is closed, but there are many more to discuss. So please, first of all, thank you to Jeffy Baby for the uh, topic. This was super fun. Reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or you can email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com. But really, the Facebook group is where it's all going down. That's facebook.com slash group slash We Got This Podcast. Talk about do you collect novelty records like I do? Do you have Sesame Street Fever like I do? Do you have Disco Mickey like I do? Ooh. Any any weird <laughs> disco version? Tell us the stuff that you have because I'm fascinated with what kind of vinyl people collect and listen to. Go join the group there. Thank you to producer Cam Plume, who no doubt has every single piece of physical music media that has ever been made or that he's ever owned is still in his home somewhere in the catacombs. And you can support him over at patreon.com slash Ken Plume and all the wonderful things he does outside of helping us keep this show on track. Thank you to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, especially those who came out for our town hall live last week. It was a lot of fun. I love getting the band together and talking about things and just shooting the breeze and having a good time. And yes, uh, thank you, everybody who was there for that. Super fun. And, and the next one will be on Saturday, May 20th. So mark your calendars for that. We'll have more information coming soon, but it is only a few weeks away. And of course, if you weren't at the town hall, I still thank you anyway. As a person of the world, I would love to sit down with all of you and Hal in the conversation pit in the middle of the living room. I'm going to go over to the record. I'm just going to grab one. I'm not even going to look. I'm going to grab one, pull it out. And I'm going to put it on the player. And it's going to be one of Hal's weird 70s disco cartoon albums. So I'm going to run back over and put a different one on. The point is we're all listening to music together. And that is my happy place. Thank you for giving us a chance to make this show today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Loveland, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Loveland. Don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.